0: This is Everyday Driver, where we know cars are expensive and necessary and have to do a world of things. But we also believe they should be fun.
1: Whatever you need and can't afford, we're here to help you find the right car. Or your car friends, your car therapists, and sometimes the bad influence you need. I'm Paul. I'm Todd.
0: And this is The Car Debate. Hello, everybody. Happy Tuesday. We're back in the studio. We have a topic Tuesday. We have some news up front. We have lots of audience questions. There's a car debate at
1: the back. It's a big podcast. we got to dive right in. Starting with Blip Shift shirts, there's actually two available this week. Code of Dreamin'. It's the track layout for Circuit of the Americas. Pretty cool. One track mind. And then... There's a cow on the other shirt.
0: <laughs> you want a cow on your car shirt. Of course you do. Yeah. yeah
1: it's mm-hmm. Coda's barbecue entire smokehouse. So, I love it. Oh, both shirts are on our partner store. Go to blipshift.com. Partner stores are there and you can find everyday driver and find both those shirts this week. So be sure to support those guys
0: couple bits of news to cover that have happened since our last
1: podcast and I want to step
0: carefully because we're going to get into a topic that that gets we get a lot of email no matter which side of the topic we come down on and that is the coming reality of electric cars now all of you out there you're living in somewhere that between 2030 and roughly 2040 all car manufacturers are supposed to only sell electric cars now Paul and I have been going really is it is it really going to be all electric? And I have mentioned before that one of the key things is going to be all electrified.
1: Just the word are going to be all electrified. Oh, I
0: think. But I, but, so but what we've talked about is there's going to be a you know this made front page news and it was announced. There's going to be like back page news when it's walked back. I do think that it's going to be walked back. But two pieces of information that came out this weekend or in the last few days that we found interesting. One is I'm not going to go deep into the weeds on this because we could, but you can look it up yourself. GM is admitting. They're not doing well on their massive headfirst jump into electrified cars. They're having trouble sourcing them, building them, selling them. It's, It's proven to be tough. Mm-hmm. So that's bit of yes. news one, bit of news two that I happened to st- literally stumble into in my news feed, and went, wait, what is this? I, I, I literally wasn't even looking, and I was like, wait, what is this? <laughs> what what is this article? And I followed around to essentially this company that is ABB Robotics and Autom- Automotive Manufacturing Solutions, which is a mouthful for the people that are doing automation for manufacturers. Okay, and they did a anonymous survey of manufacturers asking lots of questions about, ev- about everything in the automotive industry, okay, all across the board. What are the issues with electric cars? How do we help you with your manufacturing? How do we do more automation in the, your factories? All kinds of stuff. But in this survey, which is anonymous, they asked the question, do you at a manufacturer believe that we will hit these targets of 2030 or 2040 for, for you, the manufacturer, to be only making electric cars? That was the question. 11% said, yeah, we're going to make it. Almost 20%, 18% said they don't think they will ever reach a place where they are only selling electric cars. I mean, they were referencing
1: this decade, 2030 to 2040, certainly.
0: Yes, but that answer, that 18% answer is no, don't see this happening ever, meaning we're never going to be all electric, which well, is an interesting right, fair. A, a percentage of people to say they don't think they're ever going to be. I thought that was fascinating. 11% saying, yeah, we'll make it. But the thing I'm fascinated by is the middle ground... 42% said, we will make it, but not by the target dates. And 28% said, we're going to make it, but it's going to hurt. I'm paraphrasing, but we're gonna, the official answer is yes, but it won't be easy. So that, If I do a little bit of math, which I'm not good at, is nearly 70% of them say these dates aren't happening, essentially. I find that very interesting because you and I have just been theorizing. And I realize this is one survey, and this is anonymous, and we don't know who the people that answered this are. I understand that outside of manufacturers. But I think it's interesting to see this in any kind of chart form. Because keep in mind, this is a company whose business
1: is automating factories to make cars. They are also the sponsor... Of the Formula E World Championship. So they would like it to happen. They are the title (laughs) sponsor of the ABB Formula E World Championship. And I'm interested in that too. I I think it's kind of intriguing because they're asking specifically from a manufacturing standpoint, Mm -hmm. not necessarily. Every enthusiast or the public in general, their opinion. This is just manufacturers, and do you think this is possible? It's not. Would you buy one? It's not. Are they good? Right. It's it's none of those things. Right.
0: Because people have got to buy them. That's the market has got to speak on it anyway. I've said before. I don't think people should be forced to buy anything. Certainly not something as expensive as a car. And they're they're not even talking about the quality of the electric cars being built. None of that's on in discussion on this part of this
1: survey. This is just. Are we going to make it? Can we do it? Yes. Fascinating. It's always interesting to see how the the market is shifting. I mean, we're reading the same articles you are and and just finding it intriguing.
0: Uh, Completely. And it does keep changing. And we're just fascinated by it. And I bring it up, honestly, because so many of you guys write to us car debates that kind of start with, well, since by 2030, I won't be able to buy anything but an electric car. And I'm always (laughs) like, hang on. Are we really? Are we sure? Because I don't
1: think we're sure yet. Again, with a piece of news from GM investing in a V8 engine plant. Yeah, that isn't built yet. <laughs> the, the factory's not built yet, and they're investing in building more V eight engines. V eight engines last a long time. Yeah. By the way, they'll
0: be car- those cars will be around for sure. They know how to sell trucks.
1: We always recommend that one of the first upgrades you should do to your vehicle is brakes. An upgraded braking system can transform a vehicle's performance and give you better peace of mind behind the wheel in any situation. From the track to the trail, even your morning commute, every vehicle deserves performance brakes at an affordable price. No matter your vehicle and driving style, PowerStop has complete brake upgrade kits for you. Just go to PowerStop.com and you fill in your
0: vehicle's information into their easy-to-use brake finder. You'll get matched with complete kits with components that are low-dust, which we've seen, noise-free, which is amazing, and feature upgraded stopping power. We've seen great results firsthand on our cars, and we encourage you to improve your car with better brakes from PowerStop. Brake upgrades made easy.
1: Our topic Tuesday comes from Eric P., Asking about reviving particular models. Why do they succeed or fail? Mm. He is referencing, still talking about GM, about my discussion about the Blazer. Mm -hmm. I think it was a missed opportunity because the Bronco really ties in and feeds on people's perception of the old 70s Broncos. Mm -hmm. And while Eric agrees with that, he says the one that he's thinking about is the S10, based on the S10 in the late 80s and 90s. So he says maybe Chevy could take a page out of Ford's book and build a more off-road focused Blazer and maybe keep the current Blazer as the Blazer Sport.
0: And I want to clarify that, that we have driven the current Blazer. And we were pleasantly surprised by it. We drove the RS trim. It's on our test drive channel. And once once we, and more you than me, Paul, but once we, both of us, got past the Blazer name, we went, this is a pretty cool vehicle. This is actually much better than I thought it was going to be. It and did. in the
1: RS trim, it actually drove really well. Well, the concept from where the new Blazer was coming from was not off-road focused. Nope. It was from a sports car focus. Yep to make this as if you want a Camaro or you have one already Mm -hmm. and you need something to haul the family in gear. Mm -hmm. How about this? So that's a, I definitely see it from a product planning standpoint, yes, yes, but not from an off-road standpoint. Ford took the exact opposite approach and really put forth what the original Bronco was intended for. And that wasn't necessarily to compete against the Wrangler. It was more high-speed overlanding, mm. even though everybody rock crawls with it. And they had to make it crawl Capable. over rocks yeah, sure. really well. Yeah. So they kind of did a both approach you know, from the off-roading standpoint. You're absolutely right, Eric. They could do a second blazer. Well, see, they need to take the blazer name off. Because it's it's, it's associated in Mm -hmm. my mind and many other people's minds. This is what that means. It means off-roading, blazing new trails through the brush. You would think this over is rocks, the blazer. You
0: know, they had the Trailblazer, but that's always been a mid mid grade SUV. And the
1: Trailblazer is like I'll blaze a trail maybe down my driveway.
0: True. Yeah, that was never really known for its hardcore off roading. But <laughs> no. this is actually his larger question, which is why are manufacturers hit or miss when doing this? And he brings up some other great ideas. He said, at the end of the eighties, they. Chevy discontinued the Monte Carlo and brought it back in 96 as a rebadged two-door Lumina with front-wheel drive. Every part of that box is awful. Every (laughs) box you're checking is terrible. Mitsubishi is thinking about bringing back the Eclipse, but only as an ugly SUV. You've you've actually heard of the Mitsubishi Eclipse Cross, which is the thing that exists. So there's that. And then he's saying, but hang on. You have Bronco with two Broncos, which is weird. How did they split the name and make that work? You have, I'm bringing up another one, Ford.
1: Mm-hmm. with
0: the Mustang <clears throat> and the Mach-E. Yep. The Mustang Mach-E that is the SUV electric and the Mustang that is the Mustang we know. But then he says, hang on, Dodge did it great. Yeah. Dodge brought back the Challenger, which is still currently outselling the Mustang and Camaro, which is, Amazing. by the way, inexplicable.
1: The new Mustang isn't available for sale yet, so I think everybody's holding back True. right now.
0: But that's a am- that car is old, old. The current challenge, there's no, there's no way around it. There's no way to, to dress it up nicely and be like, no, it's new again. It's old. Idiot. It's old. It's still selling yeah. it out. And then the Charger got a little bit of hate when it came out as a four-door because if you are like me and you connect the Charger with the Dukes of Hazard, then it's a two-door that's orange, okay? So when they brought it out as a four-door, it was a little weird, but they quickly redeemed it and it was always a rear-wheel drive, still a hooning muscle car, and so both hmm. of those have sold very well. So hang on is Eric's question. <laughs> How do you make this right and how have so many people done it wrong?
1: He also says, should this thing should it stay dead? Should retro styling mm. s- stay dead? Mm-hmm. In his recent questions as of today, should it only be reserved for things like muscle cars? He also mentions the PT Cruiser, which we'd like to forget about. <laughs> we and try the high engineer.
0: We try really hard to not mention H-HR, that.
1: HHR and pickup truck and all yeah. those. Yeah. It was a phase. But marketers and product planners have a big say at car companies in terms of what they think will sell to the public. And they're constantly watching trends. Mm -hmm. They're watching fashion trends, product design trends, what people are doing with their vacations, where people are going. All of that gets distilled into what kinds of cars they think people want to buy next. And it has culminated with CUVs and SUVs. They are very useful that's why everybody's gone after lifestyle things with us, with those vehicles but
0: i need a beanie and a kayak and a yes. guitar
1: stat you just you don't see too many commercials focused on road driving unless it's a, a particular car that mm-hmm. is for that purpose yeah yeah jar supra yeah you don't see specific sports car commercials that are always about find your favorite road and go for a drive. Mm-hmm. You're right. You're you see right. Porsche ads, you, you see very targeted ads during specific races, mm-hmm. You know on specific channels that are more motorsports theme, but generally speaking to the rest of the, the buying public, they're not selling you like, hey, buy the sedan because it drives great on the road. Mm-hmm. You're yeah, right. that doesn't You're right. resonate. So as far as styling... Those cues, those styling cues also remind people and nostalgia sells. I hate to say Mm -hmm. it, but that looks like the old insert car that I had in high school. Yep. Yep. That looks like that car. I love that car. And that makes me want to buy that because it has that old styling cue on there. And that kind of reminds me of that harkens back to the day, the good old days. Okay, great. If that's what sells, but ultimately it's really about perceptions from the the product planners and they Mm -hmm. think, all right, let's pursue this. Sometimes it's a sketch, though. Sometimes somebody's screwing around and yeah, doodling yeah, yeah. around and like, that's a cool sketch. That could become a truck or a mm-hmm, SUV. Mm-hmm. And that kind of has the old style of a something, you know, a hot rod. And We pull out the hot rod. Sure, kind of look. sure yeah. But there's going to continually be this cyclical thing throughout the history of time forever and ever. Mm. Eric, when I mention RX-7s to you, yeah, you know it's a Mazda. But do you think of styling first, or do you think it's defined by engine? Interesting. I say RX-7. Yeah. I mean, Challenger is here. You think, yeah, yeah. okay, two-door muscle car. Yeah, yeah. Okay, put whatever motor in. It's probably got to be a V8, but mm-hmm. I guess the electrification's coming. So, okay. But when I say RX-7, it's like, oh, it cannot be another generation RX-7 without a rotary. <laughs> that would be
0: sacrilege. See, I'd be fine with it. But I take your point. You're right. I that would be, does connect I'd to the I'd be fine with it, too. And yeah. it
1: almost doesn't matter what it looks like. Yeah. It could be some nice yeah. looking surfaces, something modern, clean, cool looking. Whereas, I but think, if it doesn't have that engine. It's yeah. not truly an RX car. That's a
0: good point that they have made that brand for themselves, and I and I will then say that the RX7 is the best the FD, one of the best looking cars in history. It's spectacular. and drove wonderfully. And yes. the only thing I didn't like about it was I was worried about the bomb under the hood. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yes. It just depends on the car company, but I I think we're going to continually see. More of that, but in a lesser way. So we'll still see more of the design cues, but they'll be used sparingly and not in such an overt way. Mm. But here we are, Ford's already already training us to associate Mustang, not with the Mustang Mustang, mm-hmm. with the mach mm-hmm. Mustang. You're right. It could so be both. What if Ford eventually phased out the Mustang Mustang and there were only SUVs and maybe it became a hot rod electric. Maybe something like that yeah, to compete against the Challenger you. concept that that uh, Stellantis has introduced. You're right. I suppose that's this is training ground to get us Isn't used that to the future. Eric, I have three thoughts that I think connect
0: to this question of how do manufacturers do it well or wrong. And the first one to talk about is intellectual property and the rights to names you remember in the 90s, Chevy released a new sporty car, two-door, called the Beretta, the Pontiac Beretta. You remember that car? I remember the Beretta. You know the problem with the Beretta? <clears throat> There's a long-running gun company that <laughs> yeah. makes the Beretta. Okay? Yeah. That's yeah. an issue. And GM got, GM now, this is not a company without lawyers and does not look around, and it's not like they were born yesterday. They got very, very sued. By the gun company. Crazy. And as a result, the Beretta died after one generation. Beretta raised their hand and went, excuse us, been Mm -hmm. making guns a while. Mm -hmm. That's our name. Yeah. So when manufacturers, car manufacturers own a name outright, Monte Carlo you brought up earlier, they have a name. Cadillac has the Eldorado. Where is the current Eldorado, I ask you? If they have a name that's been storied and they've had it for a long time, that's intellectual property that is theirs. Quite famously, the reason that Tesla does not have the Model 3, not the Model E, Mm -hmm. is because Ford sued because it was too close to their designation. Yeah. So as a result, they have the Model 3. So Elon Musk can still spell sexy. Anyway, separate. Whatever. That. Yeah, okay, he's a child. But moving on. So the, the interesting thing here is it's all IP is a huge factor. There's a secondary factor going on here. And I think the reason, let's look at the Blazer versus the Challenger real quick. And I'm just going to use those. As the Blazer did it a little weird, mm-hmm. Challenger did it really well. I think it's the difference between a car manufacturer going, let's make a new Challenger, That's the start of the conversation. Well, instantly it needs to be, okay, big and brooding and muscle car and have wide hips and rear-wheel drive, and it needs to have a V8. I've already conjured it in my head. You just said, make a new challenger, and I know what you mean. Mm -hmm. Versus somebody says, we need a new SUV. We need a new five-seat SUV. We have a a hole in the market. Market research was done. We have a hole in the market, and there is a hole in the market for GM to make a five-seat SUV that has sporty styling and a little bit of sporty driving, and it's for the dad who – wants a Camaro and can't have one. What do we call that vehicle? And they go through their list of IP and they find Blazer. Mm -hmm. Or in your case, Mm -hmm. we need to make a front-wheel drive two-door Lumina that's a little bit sporty. We think there's a place in the market for that. What do we call it? Uh, Monte Carlo's not being used. So I really think it comes down to a manufacturer deciding to make a new Halo brand or they're making something that they think is feeling a niche and they need a name for it and finding a new name is awfully,
1: awfully hard thought of the GT, that Ford GT40. It should have been called the GT40, the next Mm -hmm. generation. Sure. But according to FordAuthority.com, Ford was forced to do that because they failed to register their trademark, the GT40 trademark, decades earlier. And a different company snapped it up that sold replacement parts for it, Mm -hmm. acquired the rights to it in 1999 after it was transferred from the replica producer. That company closed And that company had owned the rights to the GT40 name since 1985. They wanted 40 million bucks, and Ford (laughs) said, "Nah, let's save the money and just call it the Ford GT."
0: Yeah. Mitsubishi has—I hate to say this—but they have nothing interesting to sell anymore. But they need to sell SUVs because that's all anybody's buying. They have a new SUV. It looks a little weird. It doesn't look like their other SUVs. You know what name actually works that we have that has a history of having all-wheel drive is the Eclipse. We should call it the Eclipse. And then somebody else, I'm theorizing here, somebody else says, yeah, but it's got kind of, it's a crossover, so we need to make sure that's in the name. What about the Eclipse Cross? (gasps) Ah, we're done. Oh, somebody Google that. Oh, that name's available. We have Eclipse. We can take Cross. We have the Mitsubishi Eclipse Cross. And people will go, oh, the Mitsubishi
1: Eclipse. What is this now? You're absolutely right. That's what the market is now. Mm -hmm. I don't know that a pure Eclipse, like we know it, Mm -hmm. would sell like the car companies need it to. True. Across something Mm -hmm. definitely will, because that harkens back to, I had one of those in high school. Mm. I want one for my family. (laughs) I had the Eclipse, and now I have another one. Man, am I disappointed. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that brings up uh, another question from Dave F. Let's just go ahead and address it right now, who says, name a long-dead manufacturer or car model we would like to see brought back in modern form. Mm. You and I have talked about the Pontiac Solstice as the mini Corvette. Yes, are small street cars selling? GM and Ford aren't even trying, and yet Toyota is crushing it over here with yeah, many yeah. models, mm-hmm. and they're the most sought after models that yeah, are point. pure driving. Mm-hmm. They're, they're just for road driving, and yeah, yeah you could point. go racing with them. I'd like to see the MR2 come back. Toyota's mm-hmm. already teasing us with that yeah, particular we'll name. We'll I'd love to see the Porsche 356 or 550 be brought back. Mm. And I'd also like the Subaru Brat to be brought back, not yeah. like the second-gen Brat. That was not a brat. That's not a brat.
0: Well, but the thing is, Subaru would have to decide they want to have some fun, and they aren't in that place right now. And Utes are selling.
1: They're back True. in the market with True. the Ridgeline and the Santa Cruz and the Ford Maverick. You're right. Hello, Subaru. Yeah. Bring back right. the Brat. Mm-hmm. but. Back to your th- point here, Eric, and that is will the name drive sales or will, will the the car that kind of has the retro styling or harkens back mm-hmm, to it? Mm-hmm. What if it's not called the Brat, but it's totally a Brat? They name it something else, yeah, but it's yeah. it's a two-door ute. Would people buy that? Because people are buying four-wheel drive, off-roady, sure, Utish sure, cars. Yeah. <laughs> the Maverick is selling like crazy. I'm feeling like ute-ish. <laughs> a, a Subaru Brat STI. Would, oh, Yeah. You want to talk about a car that would set Subaru on the same plane like a GR Corolla. Yeah. Nobody could get them. Everybody would want them. They would be marked up. You're right. A brat STI, a new one. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. The, the problem
0: is there that uh, that's not the headspace of Subaru at all. But you're right.
1: You're absolutely right. Porsche does it with the 911 Dakar. Do they need Dakar?
0: They don't. To sell more Porsches? No, they're doing fine. 911s are going to sell either way.
1: It's something they pulled out of their history books and made this car. Mm -hmm. And of course, it sold out. That's an extreme example. But I almost feel like the nameplate is so precious. Mm. Using that as your lead will sell the car regardless of what Mm. it looks like. Mm. And the Blazer is proof of that. Whatever car you're looking for, and wherever it's listed, you'll find it with Autotempest.com. Autotempest.com brings together results from all the top used car listing sites online to save you time and help you find the perfect car. It even lets you compare with NationRide results from Facebook Marketplace and Craigslist, not just your local area. Plus, you can now get email alerts for your search, so you're sure
0: to never miss a thing. You can even price and find new cars from nearby dealers. That's why Auto Tempest is now the official sponsor of all of our test drive videos. We use it to search for new cars or used
1: cars wherever they are. When you're doing your drive homework, you're chasing the next family car, or just browsing so you can see what's available, go to autotempest.com slash everyday so they know we sent you. Auto Tempest, All the cars. One search.
0: We have a car debate from Clayson writing in. He is bored and rotating through cars. So apparently, nothing is interesting. The best part about this email, I have to say, is nothing
1: is interesting. Where he
0: where he wound up? Briefly, he stumbled upon our YouTube channel while he was researching. Wait for it. I mean, like <laughs> le, like Lean In, folks. Okay, he was researching buying a Volkswagen Phaeton. And decided not, so maybe he should get a Maserati Quattroporte, still hanging out in our videos. And he decided, you know what, I should get neither of those. Possibly because we spent a year with them, including racing them on the salt flats. And what I love about this is Clayson starts down this road, and this is how he found us. Thanks for sticking around. But I do think it's funny you
1: considered both of those heavily and then went, you know, no. Maybe not. Clayson is in a habit of rotating through cars every three years. Over 12 years, he's had a little bit of everything. His first car was a 97 A4 with a V6 and a manual. He didn't know how rare those are, and he wished Mm. he would have kept it. Mm -hmm. Then to a GTI, he traded for an ND Miata, and then he drives currently a 2020 Mazda 3. Okay,
0: there's a a hatchback trend in there, but okay. There's all just good stuff in general.
1: Well, all this while having bought and sold an E34 project car and two, count them, town cars. Lincoln interesting? Town Cars. Now, what I find fascinating... They could bring that back? They,
0: you, well, yeah. The and Town Cars, elegant. The interesting thing here is, keep in mind, he, he researched a Phaeton, he researched a Quattroporte, he's owned two Lincoln Town Cars. So what I find amazing here is there is a running thread with Clayson where he likes
1: big and cruiser comfortable. He's also tired of driving in stop-and-go traffic, driving manual transmission. Mm. He's just looking for something different. So he's wants either a PHEV or the full-on battery EV for okay. daily commuting, but he obviously doesn't want something that will bore him out of his mind. <laughs> we, we hope that none of you buy something that bores you. Yeah, that's key. So his conundrum is that he's considering a one-car solution in a BMW certified 330e or 530e. He can okay. do most of his commute on battery to and from work 35 miles one way. Plus, he can charge at work. It's mm-hmm. good. And then run the internal combustion engine for longer drives. What happens when everybody's buying a plug-in hybrid of electric vehicle or a battery electric vehicle and trying to fight for the charges at work and what happens when you don't get a a charger at work. No, that's going to be the key thing. Infrastructure
0: is a, ma- that was in this same survey actually. Infrastructure is one of the massive holdbacks. The electric cars at this point, and I'm not, look, take, put Tesla to the side for a second. I'll come back. Electric cars right now are far too common and far too good for the infrastructure that supports them. Agreed. Now bring Tesla into the mix. They are the only ones that have got an infrastructure that is even good, and it is good. But if you go to major places like LA, there's already lines for their infrastructure.
1: Clayson, I guess the question is back to you. If you got a 330E or 530E and you arrived at work and a charger was not available, what if it? What if you didn't score a charger two out of five days at work? Mm-hmm. Would you still... I mean, you could still drive. You're still yeah, fine. He's fine. Yeah, for sure. Would you yeah. still be willing to have invested in the car? That's good. Or does your entire buying decision hinge... And is predicated upon the fact that you will always get a charger. That's a great question. That's a fantastic question. Whether or not you have a full battery electric vehicle or not. Yeah, yeah. You can't let work now decide because of infrastructure and mm-hmm. the infrastructure problems that are currently in the U.S. Mm-hmm. You cannot say it well, just guaranteed, because not enough people own EVs right now. There's going to be soon too many people that own EVs and want to charge at work and will not be able to.
0: Yeah. So there have been certainly some companies that have put in a bunch of them, but it would require everybody doing a bunch of them. We'll see what
1: happens. He says, having a gas bill, much higher insurance costs, higher maintenance costs, and a higher upfront costs are the only holdbacks. <laughs> so hang on. <laughs> Those are like all the holdbacks. The only? What do you mean? So the problems with
0: the BMW are, I'm still buying gas <laughs> while the insurance is paid full. Oh my gosh, this costs a lot to maintain. And oh, this costs a lot to buy. So that's, those are a lot of, this is not, this is not a strike against PHEVs because I will say that over the past year or two, one of the first ones we had was an X5 and I will admit I didn't entirely get it. And then we started having more of them. I started to go, okay, I see the use case here. Mm -hmm. So I've slowly come around to them. So that's something that's on the side here. So it's not an issue about the fact, are these, this E330E and the 530E, are they any good? If it works for your life, great. I think that's wonderful. I just think it's funny that you've made a list of reasons that make you go
1: now hang on a minute clayson also mentions a two-car solution like a mini electric and a lexus ls430 now that's back to town car thinking yeah or, it is. Phaeton
0: or quattroporte yes it is this is so fascinating that clayson likes big <laughs>
1: cruiser comfort cars clayson i don't know that any particular car we pick is going to solve the boredom for you hmm But I think you are one of those people that are never going to be satisfied and are always going to be rotating through cars, and you might as well Mm. embrace it. And that's okay. That's totally okay. We just need to find what that string of cars looks like for Mm. you. Mm, That's good. Many people are satisfied with, this is my baby, I like my car, Mm -hmm. I'm a car enthusiast, this is the car I want, we're done. Mm -hmm. But many people want to blow through cars. Yes. That's okay. Mm -hmm. So therefore, even though it's risky on my part to suggest the two-car solution like you are, either guaranteeing that you do have a place to plug in at work Mm. and getting a second car. And I see the second car is the one that rotates constantly. Oh, okay. The first car, I like your Mini E suggestion. I also like a used Chevy Bolt. Yeah, they're excellent. They're perfect for this. I think... It's going to be more up front, but the used Chevy bolt, you put the miles on it. That's your commuter car. Mm -hmm. That's the work car. Mm -hmm. Plus it physically and metaphorically allows you to step away from commuting and work and go drive the fun car and the road trips that you and your partner Mm -hmm. mentioned you'd like to do. You love, you guys love having a big boat to eat up miles in. Love it. Great. So you can choose that. You can choose something else in a year. You can do something Mm -hmm. else in two. Mm -hmm. You have The work car, and that is the tool that gets you to and from work. Pick something. You could put a PHEV in there, but the problem is you're going to use up a lot of your budget, which is not quite mentioned. You do mention the Mini is about 10K cheaper CPO than the 3 Series, but we're going on the BMW budgets, I'm Mm going to say. Probably right around 40 is what I'm guessing. Yeah, we'll see. He's dealing with CPO, so it's hard to say, yeah. So something PHEV, something small, even, I mean, you could even entertain something like a honda crz it's not PHEV. it's not Mm -hmm. battery yeah but gets very good gas mileage it's fun it's still Mm -hmm. having a little bit of fun on your way to work yeah okay but i I think i'm hearing you really want something to plug in at work because well and also he doesn't want a manual anymore which is actually the way the crz is best but (laughs) that's true okay so something in there i i like the bolt personally We'll set that aside. What if it's 15 to 18 grand somewhere in there? Now you have an opportunity to go after all the unloved cars mm. that are still kind of cool and might actually fit your life. Mm-hmm. You said you wanted a big boat, but what about a Cadillac XLR? Cadillac does a Corvette. Yeah, interesting. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Those yeah. are great road trip cars. Yeah, sure. It's For a sports sure. car, but it's in comparison kind of big, kind of boaty, a little yeah, bit. yeah, yeah. How about all those other sedans you haven't tried yet? Like the Jaguar XJR from 2003. Sure. That I totally want. The supercharged Jag. Or the BMW 740 IL from the early 2000s that we freaking love. Those are so totally. cool. Mercedes S-Class. I'm talking about the W140 generation built from 91 to 98. Those were the bank vault cars. That yeah, was like yeah, yeah. Mercedes does the bank vault thing. Yeah, for sure. The one, The subsequent generations after that, you might be able to find cheaper because I think... Quality went down and I don't think Mercedes was as on top of their game. Like Mm, right up mm. until 2000, those Mercedes, you know, the ones that had those uh, in reverse, those Chrome posts that popped up out of the corners of the car. I forgot about that. I always just thought that was so cool. Your car's so big. You have to have a post to see the edge (laughs) of your car. Well, and and
0: here's the thing. You are the rare buyer that I, that is, you're in a great spot. That is the second buyer for the huge executive sedans. Because mm-hmm. the problem is, Clayson, by and large, there is no second buyer. The first buyer is some executive who leases one and trades them out every two to yeah. three years. They're hundred-plus thousand dollar big executive boats. And who's waiting around to buy that car that comes off lease? Nobody. It's crickets. Yeah. Okay? Yeah, so while nine elevens and other sports cars, they're second, third, fourth, buyer. they're all lined up. They've all got they've taken their number and they're all waiting. <laughs> Nobody's waiting on those big executive cars, so they plummet in cost, so you can get ones that aren't that old, and you're right, he could walk through all of them. Agreed. Then
1: it feeds whatever is on your mind and what whatever yeah, taste yeah, you yeah. have currently. Mm-hmm. Because again, I don't think you're ever going to solve the boredom, and I I think we are loath to, to suggest one car will solve your boredom for the next five or ten years. Mm. We will be wrong. I think that's and true. that's good. Your desire to not drive manual anymore, you can use now to your advantage to find all the automatic versions of Caymans and 911s. Sure, and sure. yeah, yeah, all the. Automatic That it. oh, it's the perfect car, except in it's automatic. Mm. That is your car. You are the buyer for those kinds of things. <laughs> I'll bet you could find sweet rides. How about an 04 Pontiac GTO? Automatic. Oh, sure. Yeah. 9, 10,
0: yes, 15 you're right. grand. 15 on the height. Nicest one on the planet 15 grand. Yeah, something like that. Hmm. Clayson, that, Paul's, Paul's hit on something I think is really key here, and I want to say that. You are probably never going to find the car to end all cars. So just, and that's okay. That's absolutely okay. Or let's say you get there, but you don't get there for another 10 or 15 years in your life, and you finally get to one, you're just like, you know what? I'm done. I'm done with the car swapping. Okay. Don't don't restrict yourself on the next thing has to stop it it has to be the one to rule them all I'm sorry I'm in a Lord of the Rings place It's all good <laughs> Exactly so so don't feel like it has to do that so I think that's the big thing to free yourself from Car out. dealers I, are
1: Sauron just they, in case they are You didn't catch that if you podcast the the,
0: eye, the eyes are looking around do it's not terrible. look
1: the dealer in the eye Yeah
0: exactly so but first off I want to I want to encourage you because both of your ideas are excellent okay you're you're getting the the BMW uh PHEV is a very good idea. Your two car idea is very good. So I don't want to <laughs> discount either of those ideas. I want to give you a couple others, though. And that is your concern with the BMW is upfront cost and then insurance cost. So I can't speak to your insurance cost. You have to look it up. But I do want to ask this question You need a commuter? Why aren't you looking at Teslas? Why not a Model 3? Why not a Model S?
1: I suppose cost if he's wanting a second car? Maybe, but but
0: if I, I just I wonder about the 3 or the S. I just wonder about those. Are they completely out? Have you thought of them is the insurance worthwhile? Mm-hmm. Because they are the one car you could get for a bit. You could just That's get true. yourself a Model 3 or a Model S because they are the one electric where I'm like, yeah, you want to take a road trip? Go. You're going to have to do some different planning. That's true. But you could totally do big road trips like you want to do on a Model 3 or a Model S. Notice I am not mentioning the X or the Y because I don't like either one of them. We've driven them all. I don't like either one of
1: and them. And I think they'll be too expensive for one's
0: looking and, and the Model Y is ubiquitous now. We actually were literally just in Los Angeles. <laughs> mm-hmm. We came around a corner in a parking garage in Los Angeles. And the entire right side of the parking garage was... Was all Model Ys, and they weren't like, "Oh, this is where the fleet parks." They were just people's cars. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> they were all white except two were blue. Like it was like it was like ten Model Ys in a row, and eight of them were white. Those unique individuals. Yeah, look at me, I'm special. I bought a Model Y. Anyway, so yeah, Model Three or Model S. Uh, the Model S is still the best thing they make, I think. So both of those are really viable. You could do as a single car. I also want to bring up one other car you didn't mention that I think is a counterpoint to your BMW. And we drove it and were very surprised by it. And the reason I thought of it is because you're looking at PHEVs. You want some electric range, but then it can run on gas indefinitely. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Also, you were sniffing around maybe getting a Phaeton at one point. (laughs) There is a car that we drove that I actually said is the closest I felt to the Phaeton in a modern car, and that was the Volvo S60 Recharge. That's really good. It's got about 40 miles worth of all-electric range, but it has everything as far as luxury appointments are concerned. And by the way, it's quite quick. If I remember correctly, it was like 400 horsepower and like 480 pound-feet of torque. It was something crazy. You could smoke everyone. Watch one. our test drive on yeah. it. And we just drove the whole the whole time just kind of going... Can you believe how good this is? I mean, we we yeah. were very impressed. Now it's not a performance car, but as a, a commuter, kinda. Well, I but mean, but well, okay. In, in, sheer, in sheer power, you're you're gunning anyone down. That's Smoke true. everybody but at the stoplight. As a sheer commuter car, luxurious, comfortable. Nice stealth because nobody thinks, oh, that guy's rocking a Volvo. Nobody thinks that. You're just you're just the guy that offends no one in a Volvo, okay? So you've got the PHEV, but then if you want to go cross country, it's ready. And by the way, when you suddenly want to want to race that Hellcat on a back road, you can. So I did think the S
1: sixty recharge is a viable option. I like that. Clayson, you've got some homework to do. Let us know what you end up getting. And if you've got your own debate, write to us everyday driver TV at gmail.com. For all your Topic Tuesdays, your car conclusions, and your car debates. We've had a couple of questions come to us from email. First from Preston St. Peter, who says he has come here to ask our thoughts on the C5 Corvette as compared to the Sign FRS. Oh, that's interesting. Quick okay. mini debate. Okay. C5 Corvette, I, I think. You know you 're in for some power if you 're getting Corvette, and if you yeah, don 't mind yeah. the lack of power that 's the really the big holdback for me for the f r s it 's solved for the second generation. We just spent a year with one yeah, yeah, yeah. if you really it really depends on what you 're going going to do with the car Are you 're mm-hmm. going to do some autocross Are you 're going to do some track driving. What kind of tracks are you taking it on? How much money do you want to spend on wheels and tires? Sure, sure. Those kind of questions. I mean, personally, I'd go for the C5 Corvette just because I do like a lot more power. I'd have to put more money into the FRS to get it to a point where I actually should have just bought a C5. Interesting. I think,
0: I think Paul's hit on the answer from the standpoint of what kind of driving are you going to do? If you're a person who you're going to commute, you're going to do long road trips, that kind of thing, and you like power, your person's like, I, power's like the first thing on my list. It has to be the Vette. But of course, the C5 Corvette has an unloved interior. The FRS sure. doesn't have a great one either. Also, the C5 in any form, watch our American original film, even when we drove it in Z06, and the Z06 is a bargain of that era for sure. The reality is that the the FRS feels A, newer, and B, smaller, because it is both of those things. If you had said your focus was like back roads and you were going to do like, I like tight corners, I'm a Tale of the Dragon guy, I would start leaning you toward the FRS because then sheer power doesn't matter. Brian Penn asked on Facebook, what country have we never driven in that's on our must-drive list? And I have a few, but I think my number one is actually Italy.
1: Italy. I want to drive
0: there. around Italy. I want to drive yeah. in the cities. I want to drive on the coasts. I mean, think about it. You've got Lake Como in the north. That's a very different driving experience than like the Amalfi Coast in the south.
1: Let's drive Italy. Italy would be great. Wouldn't yeah. It? I mean, we keep hearing great things about Bathurst in Australia. Yeah, awesome. We keep he- hearing yes. things about New Zealand and Australia. That's, yes. that's on my list, too. Italy's way up there, but mm-hmm. I think on the equal plane would be Australia and New Zealand for me.
0: The, the difference is that we have also heard that Australia is quite strict on driving, and I've heard that, that Italy is that. like,
1: sure, go for it. <laughs> right. Which I like that thinking. As long as you're in a red Italian-built car, everybody just cheers you on, and the, the police <laughs> are sort of like, yeah, 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 have a lovely vacation. Matthew Wolf is pretty sure he wants an F-Type R but mm. not sure it's going to be overpowered. Not sure if it's going to be overpowered for everyday use. Mm. Could we talk about the other variants of the F-Type and if there's any other cars in that $50,000 price range that are better than the F-Type? I feel like you want if you want an F-Type You really just need to go get yourself one yeah i i I mean at 50 here's the thing at 50 grand
0: you you must matthew seriously are you really looking are you really shopping for 50 grand i want the best driving experience possible f-type is good i like it but have you driven a cayman have you driven an m2 Agreed. have you driven a new supra yeah i mean all three of those are in that range you can get one for 50 grand you need to at least drive around if if you're looking but then back to your question if you're already kind of honed in on the F-type, do you need the R?
1: And I think, no. I don't think so. I mean, if you want the manual, you're going to be going with a V6. You're not going to be getting an R. Mm. But there is the 400, the rare beast. True. It's really good. That you could find. I believe those were all all all-wheel drive. They were all-wheel drive. Correct. That is a unique car and gorgeous and really fun to drive. But if you're pretty sure at this point, driving those other three cars that Todd mentioned will make you sure. Mm.
0: Carl Schultz is asking about our sponsor, PowerStop. He's saying, hang on, talk to me about their track day brake pads on the street. I actually really like this question because we were pleasantly surprised by it. Now, the first thing I must say about track pads on track or track pads on street is your experience might vary. True. I can't speak to your car. I can't speak to your driving habits. I can't even speak to what track you're using it on. If you're on a heavy braking track versus a light braking track, your experience with track day pads is going to be different. You have a heavy car versus a light car, et cetera. I will say our experience. We put the Power Stop Full Brake Kit on our 86, and we're thrilled with the improvement over stock as far as pedal feel and stopping distance. Mm-hmm. And we did the track pads, and it got better again. And then we were like, is it me or these... Not loud. I mean, any track pads I'd ever had on the Z, on other things, they just squealed all the time unless I was absolutely beating them to
1: death. They had a lot of heat in them, you know. Yes, like you and, then, track. and then and yeah. then they
0: quieted down. Yeah. But in any kind of normal thing, it was like get the track pads off the car. In the eighty six, except for like really cold winter days, they were as quiet as normal brake pads. Now they had quite a bit of dust. Whereas the normal uh, power stop pads have almost no dust. The track pads had quite a bit of dust, but the <laughs>
1: compounds different. It does, totally do different totally. things. Yeah.
0: The day we sold the car in the middle of winter, it still had track pads on it because the stopping distance was good <laughs> and it didn't
1: make any noise. Prefer those anyway. Yeah. Mitchell E just realized how weird and sad it is not to see a Ford or a Subaru in our hot hatch comparison. Mm. It is a bummer. We We agree. He asks, what is our favorite new non-enthusiast car? Hmm. All I can think about is the Civic Touring. It's very good. It's very good. That's good. That's an excellent point. $29,000. It's really good. There is a little bit of enthusiast goodness down in there. The chassis is just good. The chassis is good. I mean, the tires give up quickly, but still, (laughs) what a great value. It drives well. The interior is interesting. It's well built. There's plenty of space. You're right. That's a a good one.
0: That's a very good one. I like that. Bevan 5 on Instagram says, for $50,000... We get a used BMW M340i, so not the M3, the M340i, or the Cadillac CT4 Blackwing. I'm going to go Cadillac mm. because I don't think the BMW is interesting enough. That the M340 is it's a, it's a solid car, it's a very good car. I just I okay, it's a BMW. Whereas the Cadillac CT4 Blackwing, that's not coming back again anytime soon.
1: Big Zambody Three says, did GM make a mistake skipping hybrid powertrain development? Going all in on EVs. Well, referencing the top of the hour, the top of the discussion, I don't know that hybrids are the interim step. Mm. I don't think they are. I think they're a, just a, simply a great offering.
0: Mm, interesting point. You're not feeling that they're a stopgap. You're feeling like they are no. an alt, period.
1: Absolutely. Interesting. Okay, all right. So that's what they chose. I don't know that plug-in hybrid electric vehicles are necessarily in many people's minds the stepping stone. I think it just meets the needs of what they're wanting it to do. Okay. I don't know that people would just automatically graduate. It's sort of like Mm. low, Mm. medium, and high. Do you? (laughs) Maybe I'm completely wrong. Okay. All right. Do you buy a PHEV and then say, okay, finally I'm ready? Mm. Not Tesla buyers. They go straight for the EV and they Uh, know that's what they want and they buy it and that's it. Mm. They didn't have any other experience. I would say most buyers, I would say many buyers of Tesla's have never owned an EV in their life Mm. and went straight for the jugular, just going right for it. So like I said, I think PHEVs are a great offering, but I don't think that GM's problems good or bad would be changed by offering the middle step. Interesting.
0: Outside Driven on Instagram said, how bad were the haptic controls on the Golf R steering wheel? Now remember we have, there's a UX in, in the current Golf, uh, well frankly Volkswagen lineup that we just don't like. He says the digitization of the interior has made that vehicle a hard no for him besides, despite the fact he likes it in other ways. So he's talking about how bad is it? And then interestingly enough an owner of 15,000 miles on a Mark 8 Golf R Sauro Parini wrote in and said it's no, not nearly as bad as everyone's made it out to be. You get used to it. I want to speak to both sides of this yes you get used to it yes you can get used to it get in Mm. a car look lexus their last user interface one of the worst in the industry okay seriously
1: (laughs) (laughs) joke while drinking seriously oh man And
0: my mother-in-law bought one of the last years of the old interface because she'd had 10 years worth of Lexus products and she knew it and I was like the one reason I wouldn't tell you to get this newer one that still has the old interface would be if you don't like the interface but she was already adjusted to it you can get used to a bad user interface in a car it doesn't make it good because you got used to it isn't a solve So yes, of course you can get used to it. That is absolutely a thing. And I'm not surprised that, uh, Sauro as as an owner, you have gotten used to it. I think that's great. You've made me both think about this a couple different ways. I don't like the haptic buttons because the meat of your hand when you're at 9 and 3 has a tendency to hit them. And a lot yeah. of people have turned on, I, I've done it as well, the heated steering wheel. You don't know why. You were driving it hard, and you <laughs> rolled your, your hand the wrong way, and the meat of your, of your thumb hit the heated steering wheel, and you're like, why, is, why, am I, why are my hands sweating? It is a thing that happens. Now, let me flip side this. The interesting thing about a lot of these systems, Tesla's this way, the new Volkswagen system's this way, that is, they're pushing you toward talking to the car. Yay! I, I, I would like it to be warmer, I would like it to be cooler, please change the, the track, etc. And that system works, okay? We know that it works. I will admit, call it bias, whatever, I don't want to talk to the car. I don't want to. I, want to. I want to be able to reach over without looking and turn the temperature up or down or change the fan. I want to be able to do it mostly without looking. And this is the weird thing about touchscreens, and I'm going to give you all a little, most of you are listening on your phones. Try this. Hold your phone up. Just hold it still. Don't look at it and pick an app. <laughs> how hard is that right. this is the problem with touchscreens while you drive you have to look and with with knobs and buttons you can learn where they are by feel and never look and that's why buttons are great so i do think that the, the ux system on golf was designed uh in a spreadsheet and shown in a powerpoint and nobody bothered to check it while driving and while you can't get used to it and yes you can talk to the car i don't want to talk to the car I don't want you to tell the temperature up or change
1: the station. I want to just hit a button. I have (laughs) thumbs and fingers and I can do stuff. You have inadvertently answered the question from Vagroom who says, what is a trend in modern cars that we like and what's one we wish would change? Mm. Well, it's all those controls, the features buried way down in submenus that aren't good. Just because you changed it to be different didn't make it better to your point. Yeah, and and it's
0: just mm, different. Well, and also the thing that, that... and Tesla's done a good job of this. The thing that Tesla has done is given us the impression that if we if it's all in a screen, that's luxurious. It's cheaper. <laughs> it's, it's, it's cheaper. It's cheaper to make it that way than yes. making buttons that do things. And and so you can do menus and submenus and sub submenus much easier because you have it as ones and zeros than you have it as
1: another button on the dash. A couple of last questions here from Noel Ebert asking: Will performance CUVs be a thing? What has happened to Civic and Corolla and WRX has opened the doors to performance and practicality for the non-AMG echelon of buyers. Could we see a Mazda Rally CUV or the Toyota Corolla Cross CUV that's rally inspired? I like that idea. Mm, Interesting. Okay. Or did the buck stop with the juke? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. It might've stopped because once people buy a CUV, they've checked the box. Mm. They didn't buy the CUV thinking I'm going to track this bad boy. You're right. You're right. None, none of those buyers
0: did. Well, the priorities are swapped. You're buying it for all of the usability that you think you are. And if you can get a performance version, bonus. You're not buying Fine. it for performance. Right. And then, oh, by
1: the way, it's got a lot of utility. I mean, if you buy the AMG version of that, you've paid triple or quadruple. <laughs> and then quite would bit. so shocked that your giant SUV does that
0: yeah or the the durango hellcat or the the trx truck i mean these things that have stupid performance but but in every case i don't think anyone is buying those for performance first they're just glad there's a performance
1: version agreed so yes the buck stopped and what would be the point of the buck continuing if (laughs) if someone some manufacturer decided well it'd be the macan GTS or the Macan Turbo, or some Macan R.
0: The new Macan is less usable than the other Macans, but it's much faster. We took out the back seat to put
1: in a roll cage. It's got a cage back there. Yes. (laughs) Then Jorge says the Dodge Hornet has a color called Acapulco Gold, being that this is a family-friendly show. What are problematic car-related names? Oh, no. On an unrelated note, he wants us to comment on the sequel to Cocaine Bear being called the Marijuana Hornet. (laughs) Well, there's also
0: going to be, like, Cocaine Shark. I mean, it's going to be
1: a thing. That's Brace interesting. yourself. Well, they've already had, you know,
0: Sharknado. Do you Sharknado. know they made, like, four Sharknado films? They did? Uh, they made multiple. I'm, I, I, I missed all many. of them somehow.
1: Mm, yeah. I, <laughs> I'm sorry, but yeah. <laughs> well, we're, we're just going to see continuing contrived names. And because many of the names are taken, like we've discussed before, if you see or hear a particular name that you think, oh, the old school whatever, or the current Blazer, or the current... Something. So there will be more contrived names that were going to be uh be I was seeing. I
0: was wrong. There are five Sharknado films. Five Sharknado. There are five films. Five Sharknado films.
1: I just they've escaped my attention. I don't know how this happened.
0: Ian Ziering and Tara Reed. Ian Ziering are was on 90210. and Tara Reed was, you know, in many things. And both of them have seen better days in their career, and so they there was a resurgence with Sharknado.
1: We will leave it there. <laughs> And say thank you for all your (laughs) questions. Really appreciate it. You know where to write us. And we're working hard on crafting new films for this year and new comparisons. Yeah. New cars coming at you. Looking forward to hearing your questions. Cheers, everyone.